This season of the Chefs Manifesto podcast is brought to you by the Crop Trust. With more than 15 years working globally to safeguard our agricultural biodiversity, the Crop Trust has been a strong advocate for greater long-term resilience in our food systems. Through an endowment fund, the Trust is working with partners to secure the most important international, regional and national collections of crop diversity in perpetuity, as well as the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, the world's backup facility for seeds. In short, the Crop Trust's work comes down to one simple vision, ensuring the basis of our food is safeguarded forever. For more information, follow the Crop Trust on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, or visit their website at croptrust.com. We the chefs, we the chefs, are working together to create a better food future. I am George, Andy, Tom from Nigeria, Switzerland, Los Angeles, London, India, New Zealand. Ingredients are medicine. Ingredients are superpowers. Food is joy. Food is love. Food is is life. life. A very warm welcome to the third season of the Chef's Manifesto podcast, produced and hosted in collaboration with the Crop Trust and Food Forever. My name is Lona Maseko. I'm a former prima ballerina turned international celebrity chef, award-winning cookbook author, entrepreneur and brand ambassador based in Johannesburg, South Africa. It's a great pleasure for me to host the next two episodes in this third podcast season promoting sustainable food systems and working towards achieving good food for all because good food is a foundation for everything, providing the energy needed to fight for this better future for everyone, everywhere. In this season, we focus on one particular thematic area of the Chef's Manifesto, the protection of biodiversity. In each episode, we spotlight one diverse and resilient crop from millet, sweet potato to coffee, potato, sorghum, and wheat. We talk to chefs who are working and cooking with these ingredients, as well as experts who give us a valuable insight from a scientific perspective. Today in episode four, we will take a look at what is called the potato of the tropics, sweet potato. Sweet potato has earned its nickname because of its ability to grow in arid conditions, requiring little water or fertilizer. Globally, sweet potato is the seventh most important crop due to its ability and versatility, as well as its resilience in difficult growing conditions. Now, the humble sweet potato contains more energy than rice, cassava, or wheat, being high in both vitamin A, carbohydrates, and the yellow flesh varieties also containing high amounts of vitamin C. A massive 95% of sweet potato production takes place in developing countries, largely in response to widespread vitamin A deficiency leading to blindness. Now, primarily used for human consumption in the original home of sweet potato, Latin America and also Africa, China is by far the largest producer, annually supplying 80% of global demand. Now, how amazing is that? Sweet potato is a hugely versatile vegetable, able to be used to roast, mash, bake, fry, and slow cook, and also appearing in curries, pies, and desserts. Yum! Sweet or savory, the sweet potato is an amazing, amazing vegetable. 
Today, I'm super excited to talk to Chef Kiran Jethra from Kenya about how he is cooking and using sweet potato. We'll also chat to him about food waste and the impact of our food choices on the food system. We also will be joined by Chef Yiwan from China, who will share her approach on this crop from a human health and planetary well-being perspective. Finally, we'll chat to Dr. Maria Andrade, our expert for this episode. She will share her insights on just how important sweet potato is as a diverse crop. So without further ado, I'd now like to introduce to you Chef Kiran Jethwa, widely recognized as East Africa's first international celebrity chef. He is also a TV personality, producer, entrepreneur, traveler, adventurer, and sportsman. Chef Kiran was born in Kenya and discovered his love for cooking while studying in Manchester. Traveling extensively for many years, Chef Kiran has pursued a career as a chef through combining his love of travel and adventure together with learning, growing, and developing his knowledge and expertise of food from around the world. He has since established multiple award-winning restaurants and businesses, produced a variety of films and been showcased in many, many television shows, whilst also having played rugby professionally for both Kenya and South Africa. Absolutely amazing. Chef Kiran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. Now, the sweet potato is an important crop in Kenya, not least due to its high nutrient, the vitamin A in particular, in quality. Now, most of the sweet potato farmers are small-scale farmers in Kenya. How open are they to crop diversity and growing different types of sweet potato? I mean, it's an interesting question. I think we should probably start with understanding what they grow, which basically the common varieties we get here we have a pale-skinned or a white-skinned sweet potato and then a, a red-skinned sweet potato, but both of those have like a pale flesh. It's quite different from that orange-fleshed sweet potato. I know, I think that potato is much more popular in West Africa, although I stand to be corrected because I, I am not an expert of that area, nor have I ever been there. But those two varieties that we have here are the, are the common ones. As far as any other varieties beyond that, there has not been massive success with it particularly with the orange flesh sweet potato, because I think there's a school of thought around it, it having higher vitamin A and very good nutritional content, particularly from vitamin A perspective. But it's also quite watery in comparison to our, our local varieties here. And the uptake has not been massively successful. We do grow quite a lot of sweet potato here. I mean, of, of all the tubers, I think sweet potato makes up, is, a, is the second or third most common. The Irish potato makes up about one and a half million tons uh, a year. And sweet potatoes across the two varieties about 800,000. So it's half of what the Irish potato is. But in terms of the diversity, I think the risk there for farmers is basically if there's no market for it, then they're probably not going to be as open to, to growing it. Absolutely. Now, can you talk to us about your message to chefs in terms of providing solutions to some of our problems that we face in the food systems today and, and thinking big? I, I understand that you're a fan of the thinking big motto. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the entire food system, as we know, is a bit of a mess. And there are so many elements to it from farm to dustbin, you know, if you want to call it that, and then back again. And all along the way, there are many interventions and many initiatives and some brilliant people doing amazing things. 
And I think the first thing to, that we all have to embrace is that there is no one solution. No one person or one movement or one business can fix the entire thing. It's going to take an entire global movement and a lot of bright minds to intervene wherever they can to start making our food system work better. Given the challenges that we face today with you know climate change and biodiversity and the food system all interlinked, I think people need to find where along that value chain you think you can make impact as a person, whether it's just locally, in your country, in your region, whatever it is. And then from there, really think about how you can do it as big as you could ever imagine. Make your project as big as you could ever dream of. You know, I'm very engaged in this and I've done that and I'm on a, on a good path in, in Kenya, in the region we're, we're in, for, for strengthening, um, particularly we're looking at post-harvest waste. That's where my focus is at the moment. But I think I hadn't realized the support networks that are out there, the finance that is out there to help people realize their dreams in this space because it's so important for us all. You know, not to get into mass specifics, or, or it's just really don't underestimate how much support you can find if you get into the right networks, both from intellectual support and financial support to really help make whatever your dreams are in fixing this problem very, very big and effective. Absolutely. Being effective, I think, is quite important. Now, you obviously run a restaurant in Nairobi, but you've touched a little bit on, on your new project that aims to commercialize waste in food production. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I can tell you some. I can't tell you a lot just because of various NDAs that are going on right now. But look, it's, it's, a, it's a very simple thing. You know, for me, when I look at this problem and contextualize it in the region that where I come from, we have an enormous amount of very poor nutrition and poverty. People living in those conditions or around the poverty line have that very poor access to nutrition, maybe is a better way of putting it. Then when you look at this figure that's thrown around the world that we're throwing away 30% of what we grow, whatever it is, my focus immediately was, hang on, before we start looking at how to grow more food, for the you know the populations that are coming where everyone seems to be quite panicked about why don't we start with actually doing a better job of what we actually grow and then see what we need to grow and if you can connect food that's going to waste with the people who need it the most then you're already starting off on a great foot you know these are these are two things that shouldn't happen you know hungry people living in the same place where food is being thrown away so that's really where my focus is and interventions on aggregation and distribution and things like that and processing that give the most nutritionally impoverished people access to good nutrition and good food. Because currently, you know, the way we're going here in this part of the world, it's all, you know, wheat and sugar is what people can afford to eat. Uh, it's not very good for them. Well, we wish you all the best with that project. It sounds really, really exciting. Now, Finally, can you expand and let us know your favorite ways of cooking with sweet potato? Yeah, that's an easy one. So something I learned like 25 years ago when I was working in the U.S. Um, and there was a very clever chef who was training me when I was just you know getting getting bullied around kitchens as a young kid. Basically, it's a you know you take the yellow flesh and the orange flesh sweet potato, you roast them with their skins on. And they're very, very rich in sugar. You know, they have a beautiful sort of amount of sugar. And as as that's as it roasts, they, that sugar starts to caramelize. Whip them out of the oven when they're nice and roasted. Peel off the skin, mash it, and put in a bit of butter and hazelnut puree, salt and pepper. Uh, and it's a thing of beauty. That hazelnut puree really kind of lifts it and works very, very well. If you can't get hazelnut puree, just throw in peanut butter. Just as good. 
Uh, it's delicious. Fantastic. It sounds absolutely delicious. You, you're getting me all hungry and my mouth is salivating. So it's fantastic. Well, Kieran, thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely amazing hearing your perspective and how different chefs are using sweet potato around the world. So this has been really insightful. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's now time for our second interview today with Chef Yuen, a plant-forward whole foods chef educator, strong advocate for the Chef's Manifesto, and initiator of multiple global food education programs. With more than 17 years' experience in the fashion industry, based in New York and China, Chef Yuen transitioned to whole foods education in 2012. Yuen co-founded the Plant Forward LLAB with a mission to educate educate, collaborate, and initiate real actions and positive change using food as a social lubricant for sustainable human health and planetary well-being. Yuan, it's an absolute honor to have you on the Chef's Manifesto podcast. Now, just starting off, you know, originating in South America, now feeding a huge part of Africa and Asia, you know, the sweet potato has traveled far and wide over our globe. Now tell us a little about the sweet potato in your geographical context and any diversity in varieties you guys have. Yes, thank you for inviting me, Lorna. I'm delighted to be part of this podcast. And sweet potato is actually also one of my most beloved tuber vegetables because of the amazing complex carbohydrates, the the natural sweetness it provides. And I believe from my research, it was introduced to China about 400 years ago. So we don't have as much variety as South America. I think maybe we have more like about 15, 20 or so varieties. But the most I have seen is three main varieties, which has like a beige color inside. And another one that's more uh, light yellow orange inside. Mm -hmm. And another one is like uh, the purple variety. That's the three main ones I've seen. Of course, the sizes and shapes can differ a little bit um, and the taste, especially for the light orange ones. That has a, uh, a beautiful honey sweetness taste to it. Yeah, I think a lot of countries have kind of nationalized sweet potatoes, which is absolutely amazing. Um, coming back here to South Africa, we also have the very ones that you've mentioned and, and South Africans absolutely love them. Now, as a plant forward whole food chef, I bet sweet potatoes are immensely valuable on your menu. Can you just highlight for us some of the sweet potato recipes or dishes that you enjoy cooking and enjoy utilizing? Yes, great question. I actually love making sweet potato brownies using the natural sweetness and the binding ability of sweet potatoes to make into a brownie, but then making it more with a local twist. Adding, um, I'm not sure you've come across Sichuan pepper, gives you a kind of like a numb, spicy taste combined with the sweetness gives it that chili, chocolatey, sweet flavor. So it actually goes quite well. Yeah. And it has a good story to tell as well. Do you think it's been nationalized in your part of the world as it has been globally? Yes, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Especially this time of year, you will see street vendors actually baking sweet potatoes on the street. So mainly um, using charcoal and then baking it. So a lot of the times people eat sweet potato in a more bland way. So they will just enjoy the natural flavor baked or making them into potato chips. 
even now I see more healthy versions, which is kind of like sun-dried or dehydrated as a snack. Definitely not nationalized. You know, China loves millet congee. So probably, you know, put sweet potato in their millet congee in the morning as a nourishing breakfast as well, but more in the more simple, bland way of preparing them. Whereas, you know, as chef educators, we like to give it a little twist um, in using them. Absolutely. A twist is always what makes a dish even better. Um, I know that in my part of the world, sweet potato is something that people will just put a bit of cinnamon on and a bit of salt and nutmeg and roast up in the oven. But definitely something that uh, we love. But also people in my part of the world use it as an alternative. So essentially, instead of having normal potato, people have sweet potato as a good carb. Would that be the same in your part of the world? Yes, I think so as well, especially for people who don't understand the difference between complex carb and simple carbs, how we always try to promote eating more whole grains, which is the complex carbs. But a lot of people now in China are eating more the simple refined carbs, which is you know, the, the white flour, the white rice, white noodles, white buns, white pancakes, that type of thing. So there's a um, misconception. But yes, a lot of people who want to start dieting, uh, they, they rather eat sweet potato. I think I've heard some type of sweet potato diet. I've never tried it, but they think it's a, a complex carb, whereas people should actually embrace more whole grains as well. Now, you when you mentioned something quite interesting that the sweet potato in your part of the world is enjoyed with congee. For our listeners who don't know what that is, could you just explain that to us, please? Sure, yeah. Uh, Chinese actually love eating more warm and hot temperature type of food. So for morning, people will make a millet congee, which is pretty much simply millet with uh, water boiled. And to add a little natural sweetness, they will add some uh, sweet potato cubes in there um, and then a little bit salt. Yeah. So that's quite uh, simple and I guess also naturally delicious with just millet and uh, sweet potato. And for winter time, it's actually nice to pan fry the millet to make it the nutty flavors, enhance the nutty flavors, and then cook it with water and um, sweet potato, especially during winter time. It gives a um, much warmer energy as we pan fry it before we cook it into a uh, congee. That sounds absolutely delicious. You have to promise me that one day when I come to China, you will, you will let me taste all of this delicious food you're talking about. I would love to do that. Now, lastly, what role do you think as chefs we have in promoting biodiversity, particularly in the sweet potato production? Yeah, I think as a role of chefs and as me and my chef educator, uh, we actually have to work with our local farmers and especially whichever region I am teaching at, I always love to visit the farm first and see what's local there and find out what they are growing and then come up with ideas to educate them on how to preserve them or how to make uh, more delicious dishes out of them. And also with sweet potatoes, previously the, the leaf was actually composted or fed to pigs. But now within the past, I think five years, they actually realized that sweet potato leaves is also very nutritious. So now at certain restaurants, you, you're able to order 
this sweet potato as a leafy green. So it's really like understanding what the local farmers are growing, as well as sharing our best practices with each other. Absolutely. That's the best way to learn from each other. Chef Yuan, it's been absolutely amazing to have you on the podcast. I think our listeners have learned a lot. I surely have. And um, I can't wait to come to China and taste the amazing things you've mentioned. It's always great to ignite your palate to new things, so to find out how different chefs or different countries are using something as beautiful and as delicious as sweet potato. So it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Lorna. Lastly, it's a privilege to welcome Dr. Maria Andrade, our expert on this episode about the sweet potato, whose career over the past 30 years has been devoted to agriculture in Africa. Her work is currently based in Mozambique, Sub-Saharan Africa, with the CGIAR International Potato Center. Maria is an internationally recognized food scientist and has been a sweet potato researcher since 1996. So she's definitely the right person to talk to about this amazing produce. She's a specialist in plant genetics as well as in plant breeding. She is an awarded nutrition champion, a co-winner of the 2016 World Food Prize and the 2017 winner of the MS Swaminathan Award for Environment Protection. Maria, thank you so much for joining us on the Chef's Manifesto podcast. Now, firstly, can you explain to our listeners why sweet potato is so important in specific regions, those of low rainfall and changeable weather systems? In your experience, has the production of sweet potatoes been mainly carried out by small-scale farmers, and has this been a positive effect on their livelihood? Thank you very much, Um Yeah, sweet potatoes is a very important crop for the smallholder farmers in Africa, especially on the place with very low rainfall and also within a place where we face what we call cyclones because it's a crop that you can, when you plant, two months later you can harvest the leaves if farmers eat the leaves and also three months later you can harvest the roots. It's also very well known the technology of growing sweet potato among women who are cooking the, the sweet potato in their homes. How do you think, as chefs, um, we can play a role in highlighting the different variety of sweet potato crops? As chefs, a sweet potato can play a very good role in the life of the smallholder farmers because by producing a very nice recipe with sweet potato that can be used by a lot of users, the farmers can really have an incentive to produce more sweet potato, not only for them to eat, but also for them to sell. So it's really an incentive for the poor poor farmers in the village once you really have a market where the sweet potato can be used to produce different recipes by the chef. Not only that, but also knowing that sweet potato the orange color is very rich in nutrient and the color is so beautiful. So it is really very good if we combine with other color dishes. Fantastic. Now, I believe that in your region, it's, it's been used to support um, women, which is absolutely amazing and a project that I think is fantastic. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sweet potato, if you see in Africa, they are considered women, female crop, because in the past, sweet potato was only to produce it in the village for those women to use in the kitchen. For this reason, men in the past did not pay attention. 
But at the moment, because sweet potato, the special orange flesh sweet potato, become a commercial crop, so men are paying attention because those women are producing not only to eat in the homes, but also to sell in the fresh market. Because people are very used to to sweet potato, because orange fresh sweet potato, because of the high nutritious value, special the orange color, very high in vitamin A, very very high also in iron, and also very easy to produce the puree, which is an ingredient in the bakery or any product where you are combining the sweet potato with the wheat flour to make diversified food products. I believe that the project also assists the women in terms of how they prepare it. So there are various ways. Can you tell us how you enjoy the sweet potato in your region? Yeah, in the past, before the introduction, in the past 15 years, the way to prepare sweet potato in, a Mo- in Mozambique, where I live, it was only boiling and r- roast. After we introduced the sweet potato into very, several other projects, for this to be sustainable, we need to we diversify sweet potato into so many different dishes, like cake, like donuts, like bread, like juice, for example. So it has become something so exciting for the woman because in the past they only said I can boil and roast. But at this time we can make so many different types of food incorporating orange fresh sweet potato, which we can even throw a party in our own village with everything made out of sweet potato. So it's really exciting for those women in the village, not only for the diet, but also for making, for processing and making very different products that they can sell in the market, they can use in their birthday party with the children in the house. Fantastic. It sounds amazing. Now, I believe that it's also a class thing. So in the past, it wasn't seen really as a sexy ingredient to use because of class and other factors that obviously play a part. But now things are changing through the organization and through what the work that you do in Mozambique. It's true because in the past also people then never paid attention of the nutritious value. They always thought it was a food for poor people diet. We discovered that sweet potato is one of the top 50 best foods in the world for nutrition. Then people realized, for example, instead of eating a bread, which is made only with wheat, if you incorporate sweet potato, you are eating something which is better nutritious value. So we did a lot of advertisement, advocacy work with the government. Do we call do we call ambassadors of the crop in order to really put in place the value of sweet potato that today everyone in this country or most of them knows that, that orange fresh sweet potato is good to, for yourself, to feed your children and also to feed your husband. This is a result of a lot of work done in the promotional side, in the advocacy side. And today, for example, when I came here to Mozambique, sweet potato was on the bottom, but today is a commercial crop. Government put it as one of the crop that anybody can invest. It is in the investment plan. It is due to the, all the promotion, all the advocacy work that we did to really teach people that orange fresh sweet potato is not the only sweet potato, like the normal one. It is a crop that brings to the people a lot of nutrients. That is why in every nutrition intervention in the country, Sweet potato, orange fresh sweet potato is there and is there to promote and to teach the people how to prepare and how to eat. Thank you. 
That's amazing. It sounds really, really exciting. And I love the work that you're doing, particularly because it includes women. Now, lastly, how do we continue to create better food systems for our future? The way we do it is to preserve biodiversity. Like I said before, nowadays people are really paying a lot of attention in climate change, resilient crop. But if we do not pay attention to those biodiversity and look at the crop with very high value for the to use in the food in the future, then we lose completely. Because as you eat orange flesh sweet potato, you have to put in the plate a lot of other food, diverse food to really make a complete nutritive food for the users. So I'm very much into conserving biodiversity. It could be inside conservation, out, but we need to really pay attention of what we have and preserve it in case of a catastrophe, in case of cyclone, in case we run into, because seed, seed itself is quite important. There is no nation that are able to eat, to feed their people if you don't preserve your seed. Biodiversity of all other important crops, including the sweet potato in it. You have the gene bank, you have the greenhouse, you have the laboratory to be able to maintain this crop so that we don't use it in case of cyclone and other kind of catastrophe in the region, especially in Southern Africa, which is full of this kind of weather. Maria, thank you so much for sharing all your insights and thoughts. It's been absolutely fantastic and we love the work that you're doing in Mozambique. We wish you all the best and can't wait to see what the future holds. Thank you. Thank you so much. Crop diversity is essential for life on earth. It underpins nearly everything we eat and drink. Throughout the history of agriculture, farmers have generated a seemingly endless diversity within crops, discovering ingenious solutions to local challenges. Meanwhile, many of the wild relatives of these crops have also persisted in nature, adapting to tough environments. Crop diversity allows farmers to feed the world, but this diversity is disappearing, and once lost, it's lost forever. We need crop diversity available to all through an efficient global system to ensure good nutritious food at affordable prices for all, without expanding agriculture's ecological footprint. Everyone has a role to play in safeguarding biodiversity and in working towards achieving good food for all. The Chef's Manifesto in thematic area two encourages and guides chefs across the world to do the same and lead by example in their kitchens, restaurants and communities. And that's all for episode four of Chef's Manifesto podcast, season three, produced in collaboration with Crop Trust and Food Forever. I'm your host, Chef Lona Maseko. I hope you've enjoyed the conversations as much as I have. It's been absolutely amazing to hear different perspectives from different chefs from around the world. Please subscribe to our channels, rate and comment below. Your feedback is invaluable to us and your participation really helps boost our reach. We want to talk to, engage with as many chefs as we can around the world to talk sustainability and strengthen our global movement of chefs at the forefront of change.
See you next week when we take a closer look at the fabulous crop millet with Chef Mohadi Izwing, Chef Vanshika Bhatia and Dr. Shivali Sharma from the International Crops Research Institute for the Semi-Arid Tropics. Thanks for listening. Mwah! There are eight thematic areas. Ingredients grown with respect to the earth. Friendly to oceans. Protection of biodiversity and improved animal welfare. Investment in livelihoods. Value natural resources. And reduce waste. Waste is recyclable. Waste is unnecessary. Waste is criminal. A celebration of local and seasonal food. A focus on plant-based ingredients. Education on food safety. And healthy diets. Nutritious food that is accessible, accessible and affordable to all. Chefs. Politicians. Suppliers. Farmers. Educators. Chefs together can change the world. Get involved. Get involved. Get involved. <laughs>